Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Needs a big preview. Welcome into Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel. This is the Jake and Josh Show, which means I must be joined by the one, the only, well, there might be more than one, but the one we love, Josh Howell. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to talk about, you know, this is quite frankly the biggest game in, that we've had in many, many years. So I'm hyped. Let's get to it and let's just start talking how the Dolphins can possibly upset the Chiefs because I know you're all about that this week. You owe me an apology because I could have been in your ear all week. Hey, man, I, I think the Dolphins have a shot. I think the Dolphins have a shot. And, you know, our, our, you know, our appeal of the show, at least I think, is, is we have the perfect blend of, of showing we know enough about football, but bending that just enough into our homerism and, and using everything we can to justify the Dolphins uh, winning football games. So I'm excited to do that. This is a very big week. You mentioned it because, you know, you, I kind of go back to that Buffalo game in 2016 that got the Dolphins into the playoffs. And yeah, that was exciting. But the difference here uh, is simply I don't want to hear that we're one year away. You know, we've been hearing we're one year away for the last 10 years. The entire Ryan Tannehill experience was one year away. Uh, last year was the first time we didn't talk about being one year away. I, you know, I'm not saying the Dolphins have to win this game. But, I mean, I just don't want to leave this game with, with our heads down and, and thinking we're still a year away. Because I, I think time isn't that big of a factor in terms uh, of developing the culture you needed to compete with good football teams. Does that make sense? It does. And maybe shame on us because all those years we kept thinking this team was one year away. Maybe last year we should have thought that because, you know, right now the <laughs> yeah. way the Dolphins are playing, you know, they're playing good football, but this is going to be the toughest task at hand. I mean, we're going to get into this. I mean, it's really going to take all three phases having some of their best football. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, what we saw last week, you know, that special teams play that Danny Crossman called. You know, I think the Dolphins have to go out of their box and, you know, reach into that hat, uh, that magic hat and pull out some of those bags of tricks that we've seen in the past to upset the Kansas City Chiefs. But, um, it's exciting times to be a Dolphins fan, and I don't know about you, but I just want to get your thoughts on this because, um, you know, we're going to talk about different things throughout this podcast, but um, two players, you know, one, Tua Tungvaluwa, he's up for Pepsi Rookie of the Week, we can talk about that all we want, but Kyle Van Noy was named AFC mm -hmm. Defensive Player of the Week, and, you know, he had a monster game, eight tackles, three sacks, five tackles for a loss, he had that tipped uh, pass that led to that Nick Needham interception, I mean, he's getting better each week, and um, you know, I made a note of it. Every week I look at the Dolphins game book and he is the only captain listed. So it speaks volumes. What have you seen from Kyle Van Noy and what do we need to see from him, you know, in this game? Because we need these big time players to make big time plays to, to upset Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on Sunday. I think it starts and ends with flexibility. I mean, this guy is everywhere. I, I, I can't think of a time where, uh, you know, you look at the three sacks and the tip pass. I mean, there have been times I, I've had seen defensive linemen maybe do that. I'm not trying to say it's common or anything. But his tip pass came in coverage. It was in some zone defense. This guy has been legitimately special uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And when you think back of all the, you know, the contracts they've given out over the last 10 years in terms of just big names coming in, 
I mean, Kyle Van Noy has been the one that stands out as the, hey, everything went right. I mean, he's stepped right in. It's exciting to see Brian Flores know the type of guys he wants. So Kyle Van Noy earning that AFC Defensive Player of the Week is awesome. Tua, you mentioned him, has a Rookie of the Week possibility. I mean, the fact that the Dolphins are in all these conversations is just such a unique experience compared to years past. Uh, we do have some concerns on our hands, though. We're recording this on Thursday. Kyle Van Noy did not practice. Landon Roberts did not practice. These are two guys who I think this Dolphins defense is certainly going to need, uh, especially, you know, we, we're we're going to get into matchups later on. But, but you look at that Kansas City passing attack against Miami's uh, pass defense, if they can just run the ball, then there's going to be no issues. So we really need both Van Noy and uh, Landon Roberts out there. We can get into the fact that, you know, uh, Kyle Van Noy has been struggling with the hip issue all year. This could just be rest. But in previous weeks, he has been out there, so it's a little uh, concerning. But, Josh, there's a lot of magic in the air, and it's not only because the holiday season is coming up. Two years ago this week was the Miami Miracle against the Patriots. Tannehill to Parker to Stills to Drake. Gronk still doesn't have the angle two years later. Uh, the Dolphins improved to 7-6 at the time to keep their playoff hopes alive. LOL, you know, a year away, that type of jazz. Uh, you know, the old uniforms are back this week for the Chiefs and against the Patriots, Josh. When you look back at that play, you know, I, I shared it a couple times. What stands out about it? I mean, we, we, we hang our hats on these regular season games, which is fine. I love this play. It's great. But what kind of stands out about the situation the Dolphins were in? Because I got a little, you know, disappointed when I looked at all the players who I was kind of hoping uh, uh, would lead us to the playoffs on that team. And, and just to see them be 7-6 and six and kind of putter out there was a little disappointing. Absolutely. And to me, it's just how the hell that still happened. You know, I think mm -hmm. we all remember watching that game. We're like, okay, this is another loss. You know, we had a chance to maybe sneak into the wild card. And, you know, they, went up, they, they lose to New England. And then that just miraculous play happens. And I still don't think any of us believe it. And when you see that video, yes, we're Dolphin fans. Yes, we don't have a lot to hang our hat on. But that was one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. So to know that, you know, two years already has passed, I mean, um, it's crazy. And just like you said, all the new faces that are here. So um, that was nice to see. Another thing that was nice to see, you mentioned the magic in the air. And, you know, we all saw Larry Zonka lighting that cigar mm -hmm. uh, after the Dolphins or after uh, the Washington football team upset the Pittsburgh Steelers and knocked off the last undefeated team. I live up here in Pennsylvania. I have grew up with some of these Steeler fans, and I absolutely despise them. So to, to know that they are not going to shatter a record that, again, neither of us were alive. It's awesome for the Dolphins as a franchise. We love to see that it's still, you know, they're the only team in history. But let's be honest, we want to see the Dolphins now go out there and, and you know, rival some of those iconic teams from the early mm -hmm. 70s. Because, again, this is one of those meaningful games. You mentioned the throwbacks. Jake, I don't know if you know this, but are, are the Chiefs wearing theirs? Because I don't know. I mean, they have some pretty mm -hmm. damn nice throwbacks. And to think that both these teams could be to be rocking those throwbacks. I mean, that, that just gives me a, a big game feeling in this. You know, this is going to be a huge game. It does have that big game feeling, man. I mean, like I said, we, we try to, you know, balance the homerism, but I mean, you got you got Pittsburgh and Buffalo this week. Either, uh, you know, Pittsburgh loses and everyone kind of gets a little closer together. Buffalo loses, uh, a Dolphins win, and you're tied in first place in the AFC East. There's a lot of lot going on for the Dolphins. Um, it, it's more exciting when we can kind of look at this whole thing and see that the Dolphins have the future uh, in their hands. You know, they control their destination, but it is going to be tough. And, and, you know, we're guys who work in the media one way or another. And I remember like three weeks ago talking about how the Dolphins had the easiest remaining schedule. All of a sudden, man, it is the absolute hardest. You know, you got the Chiefs and the Patriots at home in the next two weeks. We mentioned it. We'll have the magic of the throwback uniforms and those. Then you got the Raiders on Saturday night football coming up before finishing the season with the Bills. Man, this is an absolute stretch. I'm hearing people say 
They could go 0-4. They could go 1-3. And, and, you know, I think we can both agree we're, we're hopeful for 2-2, two and two, get into the playoffs. And then next year's the we'll run the table, that type of stuff. But, Josh, give me an overview of what you think about this schedule and what the Dolphins are going to need to accomplish to be a playoff team in 2020. Yeah, man. I mean, at this point, I'm, I just sound like I'm a parrot, you know, because I think we all realize they have to go two and two. And you're right. We have been in this situation before. It's a, it's a new era, you know, Brian Flores. I mean, we expect them to go two and two. But as Dolphin fans, I mean, would it not just be so Dolphins for them to go one and three, oh and four, and you know, that mm-hmm. last game have so much meaning and they just lay an egg. I mean, I hope we're not there. I hope I hope we don't see the same old Dolphins rear their head. But I think hit the nail on the head, you know, next year is when this team's ultimately going to be playing in some of those matchups. But again, if they make it into the playoffs, they're the number six seed now um i keep saying why not miami in the playoffs you know this is a team that plays very good defensive football as we have all seen you know all they got to do is go out there and get some of those turnovers and anything could happen we've seen some of those um you know those number six seeds make some runs so anything can happen but we got to take this one game at a time but i I think we'd all feel much better if they they go out there and beat the chiefs i mean i think this would be the most excited i've ever seen this fan base you know in 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 decades it would be a sight to see and um, i don't even i don't even know what to say i can't even fathom what would happen if they go out there and, and knock off the Super Bowl champs. You know, it just grow the case for Brian Flores to the opportunity to be coach of the year. I mean, after that Steelers loss, I think you got to have Flores as that top guy. And I mean, this team, I, I think the last week, the, the win, the, you know, the, the the punches thrown. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the, the figurative punches, but I mean, the fact that, you know, there were actual punches thrown last last week. The Dolphins are one of the youngest teams in football. They didn't back down. You know, you have Jakeet Grant going and giving Devontae Parker and Matt Collins hugs and high fives. I mean, this team is starting to build confidence. And for being so young, I mean, that can go two ways. You can look at it and say, this team is going to come on, come in Sunday and be overwhelmed and get absolutely destroyed and get knocked down to earth. But the, it, there's the other side of that where we're thinking to ourselves, is it real? Is it happening? Are they going to make a statement this week? And, you know, Josh, before we get into our preview, I do, I wanted to bring up a new segment on our post-game show for Cincinnati. And I want to talk about, hey, maybe there are players who are earning their fins. I thought that'd be a little fun. Because in the middle of the game last week, uh, after Parker was kicked out, I thought Antonio Callaway was going to earn his fins. Obviously, that didn't happen. But it was Lynn Bowden. I think we got to start giving this guy a little bit of credit. Because I think he started to earn his fin last week. He had the four receptions on four targets. For 41 yards and one rushing attempt for 11 yards. And on that rushing attempt, any of you who are on Twitter probably already saw it. I had a little tweet blow up about uh, it was Solomon Kinley's first snap at left guard, and he sent a defender into the shadow realm to open up a huge lane <laughs> for uh, Lynn Bowden. So, Josh, do you have anyone who stood out last week who, who maybe that fin's starting to grow on him a little bit? Yeah, and I, I was trying to dig deep because, you know, we could sit here and name off pretty much every rookie. You know, Noah Ibanagani came in late in mm-hmm. that game and, you know, started to show some promise. But I, I don't think we're quite there yet, and I think the same can be said about the guy I'm going to throw out there. Linebacker Calvin Munson, he had four total tackles. You kind of saw him flash a little bit of potential here. I think ultimately this guy's probably going to be a role player, be one of those special teams guys. But, um, you know, we saw him get some reps out there, and he, he was making plays. So this is a guy to keep an eye on. I won't quite give him that fin yet, but um, definitely something to look on in the future. But Lim Bowden, man, I also posted a highlight video right before we started this podcast and you know it's pretty exciting to see what he can do with that ball in his hands I mean he might be the most explosive player on the team so uh keep feeding him and let's get him those fins because um they could definitely use a playmaker like him moving forward yeah and you talk about this entire rookie class contributing Lynn Bowden has has to be part of that I mean the Dolphins traded a pick for this guy he is still a rookie he is going to develop so that's just something to kind of keep in mind there I like that you brought up Munson because the one play I remember is that he he landed on what's his face's head and got a 15 yard penalty that's what I remember from him so so I I respect that but hey let's jump into our break here and we'll talk at Chiefs Dolphins on the other side 
This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Josh, I got to tell you, man, you know, with everything happening, the, the weeks seem to drag, but when the Dolphins win, it's really speeding up. And and here, let's let's just dive right into it. We got Chiefs 11-1 at Dolphins 8-4. 1-0 in the throwbacks this year came against the Las Vegas Chargers. The Dolphins are 7.5 home dogs, according to CBS Sports. Um, I Like I said, it is special to see the Dolphins in this spot, just being able to kind of control their own destiny, to have a chance to really step up and, and prove themselves against the top team in the AFC. The Dolphins, if they can come out and, I, you know, a win is going to be bananas, but if they can come in and just compete with the Chiefs, it's going to be the story for the entire week that, hey, the Chiefs might be a little weaker than we thought, and, hey, maybe the Dolphins are a little closer. You look at the Chiefs' uh, schedule, something I really want to bring up real quick. Each of their last four games, Josh, have been seven points or less. And, you know, before that was the Jets. So I guess it's a, uh, a breaker in terms of trends. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo get the call. Uh, the Dolphins offense is coming off arguably their best half in football. Uh, they're facing a Kansas City defense that allowed two touchdowns against Denver. Uh, it's worth noting Denver scored more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. I ain't saying. I'm just saying. Josh, before we get to our three keys, give me your initial reaction on how you're feeling of the overall theme about this game. I mean, it's truly just, you know, as we go through this podcast, it really does feel like an AFC playoff game. And this, again, is what we hope to eventually see, you know, in the future when everything does come together. You mentioned the offense having some of its best football last week. I do think, you know, they're kind of blowing out a proportion of this whole up-tempo thing. I think that's what they have to do, you know, against Kansas State Chiefs because mm-hmm. um, we talked about it with the Arizona game. It was Kyler versus Tua. And no, they're not out there battling each other, but it is Patrick Mahomes versus Tua. You cannot go out there and, you know, have some of those games that we've seen from Tua and hang in there with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. I mean, for as good as our defense is, for as much as we hope that we can hang in there, I mean, it's just not possible. So Tua has to go out there. He has to do what we brought him in here to do. So for me, I think my biggest thing here is I just am excited to see how Tua handles this moment, you know, how how he goes out there and goes one-on-one with Patrick Mahomes. And we know those both had uh, both players had very nice things to say about one another. But, I mean, again, this is this is who the Dolphins are going to have to ultimately get through mm-hmm. if they ever want to get to that promised land. So uh, I'm excited. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And then you throw Jim Nance, Tony Romo in there, the throwbacks. I mean, what the hell are we even doing, man? This, this is the <laughs> biggest game. Throw this thing on pay-per-view. They can make money on, off pay-per-view for this game. Uh, it's I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, so I, I want to circle back to the the Kansas City's last four games. And, and you know, the last thing I'm going to say here is Kansas City's bad, right? All right? That's not what I'm getting at here. And the sake of what we're doing here is to kind of pave the path of the Dolphins for a victory. And, you know, you look at those last four games. Carolina, they won 33-31. to Vegas, 35-31. to 
Tampa Bay, 27-24, and then Denver, 22-16. to Josh, the way I kind of look at this is the Dolphins are able to hang around like Kansas City's been allowing teams to do, uh, even before, just ignore the Jets game. You know, Buffalo was an eight-point game. Different opportunities like that. I mean, if this game gets into the fourth quarter and the Dolphins have a puncher's chance, I really like their opportunities because you're going to tell me that after four quarters of running around in that sun, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are going to have the speed they are accustomed to. I just don't see it. So that that's the opportunity I see is the Dolphins is trying to keep it close. My biggest concern, though, is you look at the, the rushing leaders for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, every week, except the one I'm going to mention, it was Edwards Hilaire. But uh, starting on October 25th against Denver, Edwards Hilaire, 46 rushing yards was the top. 21 rushing yards was the top against the Jets. 14 against the Panthers. Vegas, uh, Alaire had 69 yards. Tampa Bay, he had 37. Denver, they used Le'Veon Belmore. He had 40 yards. There's an outlier in there, Josh, and it came against the Buffalo Bills uh, Monday, October 19th, where Mahomes threw for 20, 225 yards, but Edwards Alaire ate the Bills up with 161 yards on the ground, and that's the situation I'm a little nervous about for the Dolphins. It's if they don't even need to pass the ball. If we see what we saw against the Bills and the Patriots early in the season where the Dolphins' secondary is so good, let's not even go talk to them. Let's let's hang out with these guys in the trenches. Let's run the ball. So that's kind of my big concern here. And, you know, that's where, let's jump into it, our three keys. Number one, the Dolphins need to do their job against the Kansas City passing attack. Josh, can you tell me a little bit about Kansas City and what this passing attack uh, really offers here? Tyreek Hill, the explosive wide receiver for the Chiefs, he's the fourth best PFF graded uh, wide receiver in single coverage. He has a 94.4 grade. Um, we just know how explosive he is, and I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this matchup. I mean, how how do you how do you even plan to contain their receivers? I mean, it's pure speed. It's Sammy Watkins. It's Mecole Hardman. You know, it's it's Tyreek Hill, and then it's Travis Kelsey. Who, yes, we have Eric Rowe, one of the best shutdown tight ends, uh, shutdown safeties on tight ends in the NFL. But Travis Kelsey's arguably the best tight end in football. So, um, you know, this is crazy. Last week, the Chiefs in the red zone, they were 0 for 4. Uh, they they were converted three out of ten on third down. They settled for five field goals. So, I mean, you know, that kind of sounds almost like the Dolphins a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> so there are ways that they can, you know, be slowed down. And, yes, Denver has problems. I think the Dolphins have to go back, watch that film, and watch what they did, Um, you know, because they found ways to disrupt uh, Patrick Mahomes in that offense. The Dolphins, I feel like they have that better, you know, I think they have a better secondary. I think they have ways to get at them. Um, and part of that, you know, is going to be with that pass rush up front. And I, I just want to ask you this. I don't even think it's on our rundown, but Emmanuel Agba is now a Dolphin. He was with the Chiefs. And Taco Charlton's now a Chief. He was with the Dolphins. I mean, uh, this is setting up for, for for one hell of a revenge game for one of these guys. How do you see that shaping up? God, I hope I don't see that shape up. I hope Agba, who is currently ninth in the league in sacks, and he's been getting the pressures in terms of not just the pressures where they run away and scurry for seven yards, but they do lead to sacks. I mean, I think he had pressures on two of uh, Van Noy's sacks last week. So, I mean, I think we have the fair fair side of that deal, I guess I should say. Uh, I I think Agba and that defensive line is going to be key. But, Josh, I do want to ask you, who do you put on Tyreek Hill? Damn, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like you have to almost double cover him. So do you then, you know, do you try to see what Nick Needham can do on him? I mean, we've seen all these guys kind of get beaten coverage, except for Xavier Howard, right? I I don't think you can put Byron Jones on him after what Christian Kirk did to him. You know, and Xavier Howard, I think he's the shutdown corner. I think he's the guy that wants that matchup. So uh, I think why not? Let's see X versus Tyreek Hill, but I think the Dolphins might approach this a whole different way. 
Uh, here's my mad scientist theory. I do think Xavier Howard versus Tyree Kill is, is a 1v1 matchup uh, I would like to see. You know, you look at the, the stats of the Kansas City Chiefs, both Ty- Tyree Kill and, and, and Travis Kelsey are 2-3 and three in the league in terms of receiving yards. These guys are legitimately bananas. Kelsey is the only tight end inside the top 20 in terms of receiving yards. I want Byron Jones to cover Travis Kelsey. Big physical cornerback, I'm all for. Eric Rowe, I think he could do some work against someone like Sammy Watkins. And I do love having Bobby McCain back there. He has quietly developed into the 10th highest graded free safety in terms of pro football focus grading. That is another safety blanket I think the Dolphins are going to love. But I think the key here is to do enough and maybe you're going to get beat deep. We see... We saw last week against the Bengals, the Tyler Boyd touchdown was a perfect example of how the Dolphins, it's a risky defense, but it's safe enough if you do your job. I made the mistake. I called out Noah Igbenogany on that Boyd touchdown. It was Brandon Jones who did not really angle him to the sideline the proper way. But from Ryan Smith over at Pro Football Focus, go follow him on Twitter if you don't because he hits us up with some great nuggets. Uh, Miami plays more cover zero than any team in the league and is fourth in cover one usage. Mahomes leads the NFL in passing grade against cover zero, cover one, and against the blitz. So it is really David versus Goliath, but I do like the the idea of having Xavier Howard do enough uh, early on, unless, you know, Tyree Kill literally uses the speed to run by him. He can't get, uh, Xavier Howard can't get any contact on him, and he's beat for a touchdown. There's nothing you can do. You're kind of doomed. But, you know, you, you have someone like Byron Jones clogging up Kelsey over the middle. You have someone like Nick Needham who can keep up with the Miko Hardmans, the, the Demarcus Robinson, I believe his name is, of the world. And so I think that's how the ma- matchup's going to go uh that's really where I see the big key of this game. You know, I'm a little scared that the the Kansas City Chiefs are going to come out and just run the ball over and over and over again. But in terms of stopping the passing attack, I think that's what I'm going to focus on. When you look at this uh, offense that loves to pick apart uh, one versus one coverage and a team that loves to play one versus one coverage. Yeah, and, and not to go back to that, how you know valuable that pass rush is up front, but we need Demand Yard, but we need Shaq Lawson. We need those mm-hmm. guys up front to have those big games, get to the pass rusher, contain those edges, you know, set that edge and don't let Patrick Mahomes do what Patrick Mahomes does. I mean, I think we all realize he's going to get his, you know, this offense is going to go out there and they're going to make plays because it, it's just it's just what they do, you know. This is probably one of the most exciting offenses we've ever seen. So it's going to be a heavyweight title fight. You know, this is WrestleMania. This is Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. I mean, this is this is a big matchup. And again, if the Dolphins want to be taken seriously, they got to go out there and they got to execute. We talked about doing your job in, against the passing attack. Uh, here's the second key: don't be afraid of the moment. And we, you mentioned it earlier. The Dolphins are one of the youngest, if not the youngest, teams in football. We know how valuable, you know. Their free agency class has been how valuable the the rookies have been to just what they've accomplished. They got to go out there and they got to make plays both on offense and defense. And and I'll focus mainly on offense because let's be honest, Tuatana Valoa again. We talked about at the beginning. He has to go out there and he has to match Patrick Mahomes, and that is not an easy task. He's going to have to go out there and make those plays. You know, improvise at times and just make some of those throws and and some of those things that we saw in college. And you mentioned it here. You know, to a play in the national championship, he came out in that second half after Jalen Hurts wasn't getting it done, and he hit. You know that that game winner in overtime that we all still remember I mean this is a big time player he is going to put on the biggest stage against the best quarterback in my opinion I mean we're all we all love Dan Marino he is the greatest you know I'm going to sit here and say Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game but what Patrick Mahomes does you know that skill set that he has yes it's early but the trajectory he's on I mean I don't think we're ever going to see a quarterback as good as him now we're asking Tua 
by Lowe, you know, in his sixth career start to go out there and match him. I think that's where this game's going to be ultimately won and lost. And um, I'm, I'm excited, but I just want this offense, you know, even that offensive line, those playmakers on the outside, just don't be afraid of the moment because, you, you know, this is what is going to set you apart from some of those other teams. It's weird to think there's a big game at 1 p.m. in Miami because, I mean, that when I was writing this moment, th- this uh, key, it really, I, I was just thinking, you know, this is the type of game where, you know, a couple drop passes uh, are, are the difference and the Dolphins just need to go out and, and simply play the way they do. I mean, defensively, hopefully Van Noy is fine. Hopefully he's just getting rest. But guys like Van Noy and Byron Jones have played in very big games throughout their career. I think these are the type of guys who can kind of tap you on the head and say, Hey, we're just out here playing football. And I think that's going to be very important for this team. Tua, you mentioned him. You know, maybe you got to possibly keep up with Patrick Mahomes. I'm kind of hoping this is where special teams and defense has had some uh, trick tricks up their sleeves waiting for this opportunity. But, I mean, Tua played in a national championship. I don't think he's going to be out there being the guy to throw interceptions, right? He's proven he's not that. He's smart. He's calculated. And it's just playing their game. I mean, it's so cliche, and I wish I had some statistics to lob at the wall here. But, I mean, I think it's just, you know, when you see Patrick Mahomes go out and throw an 80-yard bomb, the Dolphins can't do that. I mean, they we've realized whether it's just his inability to track the ball. I mean, the Jakeem Grant and, and Tua Tungavaloa connection just hasn't been there, and I'm not going to say it's there until I'm proven otherwise. I mean, the Dolphins need to stick their guns here. I mean, it was great to see guys, and we're going to transition to our third point here, like Lynn Bowden get involved, like Miles Gaskin get involved, where the Dolphins don't need to kind of get the big plays from the receivers. You can get guys out in space. You can make a uh, defensive back miss, something like that. Uh, you, you touched on it. Chan Gailey wants to use more of an up-tempo offense to get into a, into situations he can thrive in. But, Josh, is there a way where an up-tempo offense can coexist with trying to eat the clock? Because for the Dolphins to win this game, I mean, the clock has to be as much as a teammate as, as Xavier Howard. Yeah, and I mean, you were trying to be, you know, a mad scientist earlier, trying to figure out how this Dolphins defense was going to match up. I think that's what Chan Gailey's got to do here, and I think last week was a good example. You know, you look at the statistics. I mean, Miles Gaskin carried the ball 21 times. You know, he had, what, 90 yards on the ground, and then Tua threw for almost 300 yards. I mean, that's kind of what they got to do, and they got to go up there, and they got to utilize that umtepo offense to their advantage. You know, when they see Kansas City's defense gas, they got to get up to that line and do these things, and you mentioned feeding some of those guys. I want to see more out of, you know, I want to see more of what we saw last week with Mike Jasicki. We saw him and Tua, you know, that was his guy. I think he targeted him 11 times. He caught nine of those passes. And Devontae Parker, you know, we see him when he sees Devontae in one-on-one coverage. He's throwing it out there, so I want to see him go out there and make those plays, but I think you're right. This game's going to rely heavily on this run game, and I think we all saw last week, you know, we all want that that free agent running back. We all want that, you know, first-round or second-round, you know, flashy draft prospect. Miles Gaskin looked pretty damn good. You know, I think it's safe to say, you know, this is probably the best running back on the roster. He came right out there and 141 yards from scrimmage. They got to get him more involved. They got to continue to feed him. And I think, you know, he's proven that he's decisive. He gets the sure yardage and he's, you know, he can make plays in, in pass protection. He can he can go out there and catch a football. So you have it here. Feed Miles Gaskin. Um, I think that's going to be the way to, you know, counter that up-tempo offense like you suggested. Yeah, Miles Gaskin is my key player here. And, when you think of up-tempo offenses, you, you think of Oregon and that, that Chip Kelly offense. But, you know, you look at that Miami Heat, I think what the Dolphins are going to do in terms of up-tempo is maybe not snap the ball within 10 seconds, but you're just up at the line. 
no calm plays. And that's a big task for someone like Tua to be up at the line of scrimmage trying to call plays, trying to manipulate defenses before the snap. But I think that's really where the Dolphins are going to find their victory. You have these big guys on the defensive line melting in that Miami heat. And then they got to go over the sideline that's in the sun. I mean, I saw a statistic that, that road teams were – where, you know, there was no home field advantage, basically, with no fans. And I understand that. But that Miami Heat, I, I do really think, is, is a lot different. And if they can just kind of string together two or three first downs, limit three and outs, that that's the key to victory. And that's why, again, Miles Gaskin is my guy. They have to feed him. Melvin Gordon, I'm not going to say Miles Gaskin is in the same stratosphere as Melvin Gordon. But he had 131 yards last week on 8.7 yards per carry. Uh, the Chiefs... Our defense is fifth in opposing quarterback rating and eighth in yards per attempt. The Dolphins got to get the running game going because what the Chiefs do is they get out to that lead and they kind of know you're going to pass the ball and, and pick you apart with it. So you you mentioned what Miles Gaskin's performance against Kansas City look, or Cincinnati, excuse me, looked like 141 total yards, best for the second year player on the season. Um, he had some extra rest, which I, I think the closer we get to the playoff run. He had that extra week of rest before coming off of injured reserve where he practiced for an entire week and then just wasn't active. I think that is going to be key for him. He looked very fresh last week. That reception, man, that that 20, 34-yard reception he had last week where Tua was escaping from the pocket and Gaskin peeled out with him and caught a great ball. I mean, that is that is the growth we're seeing out of these guys. It's weird to think, like, how much you can improve throughout a season, but but there are guys, Gaskin's one of them, who are becoming more familiar with the game of football at a professional level. So I think he's going to be the real key, despite the fact that, you know, we might need two out of three touchdowns, but Gaskin needs to move the chance on the ground for, the, for this team to have any sort of chance. You know, a lot of that involves that offensive line coming together like we saw last week. They got to compete play one of their best matchups not only in the run game and the passing game that they got to protect to a ton of and that is going to be my key player you know who else would I pick uh last week I think the Dolphins were one for 10 on third down so they absolutely have to improve there if they want to sustain some of these drives and, you know run that clock like you suggested but again this isn't to a ton of versus Patrick Mahomes but in a way it is he's going to go out have to go out there and he's going to have to you know make those plays that we saw in those Arizona games you know some of those crazy runs and you know some of those insane throws he made last week. I mean, even that rollout, like you said, with Miles Gaskin, I mean, that was just an impressive play all around. It's just something that you just, honestly, honestly, you never thought you'd see something like that in Miami. You know, as crazy as it is to say, you know, you see all these other teams with these good quarterbacks and, you know, these these promising futures. I just truly never thought we'd ever eventually see it after Marino. And you're starting to see what Tua can be. And now again, in the biggest game of his career, eight and four Dolphins uh, against, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be a big, big matchup. Tua has to go out there. He has to continue to be accurate. He needs to be decisive with the football. And he needs to not make some of those, you know, those errant throws. And we sit here and say that he's unscathed. He has zero interceptions. But he has made some, you know, errors. He has missed those dropping linebackers. So I think he knows he needs to improve. I think it's going to be a group effort. But if the Dolphins won't have any chance against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have to have Tua Tungvala go out there and cook. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't think either of us brought it up, but the last time I believe Brian Flores uh, won against the Kansas City Chiefs was in that AFC, I believe it was the AFC Championship game back in 2019, and the Patriots won 37-31. to 31. Um, Kyle Van Noy had a monster game, but he did have a game plan there. So, uh, you know, he says that they don't 
really go back and put too much stock in the past, but you know that he's going back there and watching that tape and trying to figure out what they did there to potentially do it again because, again, you're going to have to stop Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to stop that high-octane offense, and then Tua's going to have to go out there and execute. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's how he's going to attack this uh, Kansas State Chiefs offense? I know for a fact Flores is never going to say anything that could put you on any trail of anything. So so I'm sure that there's probably been some glimpse back on that film, but, but you know, offenses evolved. I do think that Coach Flores, you know, the one thing I, I, I try to bring up all the time and I really need to do something more in depth about this is just his feel for the game. I mean, he put in a rookie quarterback who had no preseason and he's played well enough for the team to lose a single game. We are panicking about a single game where he had no training camp, no preseason to really get his feet under him. And... Then you kind of look at his in-game adjustments, the timeouts he calls. I kind of, Andy reads amazing, an offensive genius, but we know he's kind of got a tough track record when it turns when it comes to terms of feeling a situation at a football game. So I wouldn't put too much stock in anything Flores says. I'd put all the stock in what he does on Sundays. Josh, I think that's really all we have here. I mean, it is going to be a challenge 100 percent a challenge but i mean for in terms of one o'clock games there's gonna all eyes i think are gonna have to be in miami because uh win here changes the world you think about this kansas city chiefs team everyone's saying it the oh they're just kind of bored out there they're they're barely winning games they're keeping it close i mean that's the scenario to go on the road and lose so i think that's really worth keeping in mind Absolutely. We may as well jump right into our predictions. I think, you know, we kind of touched on this. You know, we see kind of a recipe on how to attack that Kansas City Chiefs offense, you know, whether that be Denver last week, whether that be a couple of years ago again in that AFC championship game. I think they have to go out there and they have to execute. I think they're going to go out there and at least slow them down. I got a 34-31 ball game. I'm going to continue to go on that Jason Sanders. I mean, he's playing out of his freaking mind. So I have Jason Sanders hitting a game winner and the Dolphins improving to 9-4, and four, just knocking off the, <laughs> the Super Bowl champs. And, you know, at that point, I think we're all just, you know, streaking down the street and just in disbelief. Like, at that point, I think the next day the season might just end because nothing can top that moment. I must be, you know, looking in a mirror because I could have sworn that was me saying that. I mean, you have definitely taken my energy in terms of this being a Dolphins podcast and and really riding with it. I mean, we're here to have fun when it's all said and over, uh, done and over, whatever, whatever you want to say. I'd love this to be a three-point ball game one, one way or another. I want, you know, Miami special teams to be the team to deliver. However... There is a little side of me that is panicking that, you know, the Dolphins are going to, we're going to be sitting here, oh, we're a year away, you know, oh, you know, next year is supposed to be the, uh, the the big year for the Dolphins. I get that. I understand that. But I mean, this is such a wacky year and the Dolphins have adjusted so well. Oh man, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to kind of copy. I'm going to say 33-30 Dolphins. Now, now, let's be honest. Is that the Homer and us both talking? Is that like us? We're, de- we're definitely kind of, you know. That's the Homer and this being a Dolphins podcast. If I was doing some like broad, you know, NFL podcast, I'd say keep your eyes on the spread. The seven and a half point spread, I see no way the Dolphins don't cover that. I'm right. more confident arguing that. Since it's the Dolphins podcast, I'll say that they're going to win. But that is my bigger argument. I think this is going to be a lot closer of a game than that spread is really leading on to tell us. Yeah, and, and I, we didn't even have this written down, but let's talk about fantasy football playoffs this week. I'm not in very many at all, but let, let's talk about which Dolphin players you would have confidence in. You know, if it's a two-quarterback league, maybe, maybe Tua, but you're probably not starting him in a redraft. So throw out one player that you would be absolutely confident in starting this week if you are in a fantasy playoff. 
Miles Gaskin. Simple as that. I mean, the receptions are there. The, the the targets, excuse me, are there. The opportunities on the ground are there. Obviously, he struggles to find the end zone. Uh, the Dolphins in general struggle to find the end zone, and that's worrisome trying to play at any players from a team in fantasy football. But I think Gaskin gives you that best shot. Kansas City's running defense is a little iffy, so that'd be the guy i go to. How about yourself? Absolutely love it. I mean, I, I as much as I want to say Gasicki, I mean, you just can't truly rely on him. So I'm going to go Devontae Parker. I think he's truly the number one wide receiver. And if the Dolphins, again, want to win this game, he has to go out there and dominate. So uh, I'll go Devontae Parker. You went with Miles Gaskin. Josh, this has been a blast. If you guys at home are enjoying what you're listening to, be sure to smash that subscribe button, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking about this matchup. Keep the conversation going with us. We I got in a little uh, tangent about throwback uniforms today, so that was a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at jmendel3194. jmendel94. <laughs> and how I need a simple uh, name like you. It's just at H-O-U-T-Z. Be sure to follow him. He hooks you up with all the Dolphins content you need in the Twitter world. So thank you guys so much for listening. We are praying that we will talk to you guys on Monday after a victory because we will just kind of be making a lot of high-pitched noises with how excited we are more than actually breaking down the game, and we're looking forward to it. Can't wait. I mean, biggest game in in years, guys. Get amped. They're going to be wearing the throwbacks. Let Tua cook. And and most importantly, just remember, this team is in year two of the rebuild. I mean, this is exciting times. Tua time by Lovers, Patrick Mahomes. Let's freaking go, Dolphins. Let Tua cook. Fins up, baby. That was Fitsider Radio, part of the Fitsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.